to ProCon. My name is Siddharth Satish, and as always, I'm your host for this episode. Now, last decade, we promised to you that we would be hearing a debate on This House Regrets the Narrative of American Exceptionalism in this show. However, over the break, we were reached out to by a student from a high school in central New Jersey. We will not be disclosing the name of the student or the high school for privacy reasons. But this student made a compelling argument that we as a podcast should go through the whole debate process. So how to prepare for the debate, what to do before, what to do during a competition, and then see people, experienced and seasoned debaters, apply the principles that we talk about in a concluding debate show. So what we're going to be doing in the next few weeks is we're going to be dissecting the topic that we have over here and then we're going to be taking you through the process on how to construct a proper argument if you were actually presented with this world school's resolution on this house regrets the narrative of American exceptionalism. Now in today's episode we're going to be going through the first step of this multifaceted process. First, Any seasoned debater or any debate team that is preparing for a competition will try to get deeper understanding of the topic that is being debated. If you know more about what you're talking about, you will sound smarter, you will make better points, and you will be able to rebut other arguments with greater ease. Knowledge is always an asset in debate, and that is what we want to cultivate first. So that is what we're going to be focusing on today's debate show. But to give you guys a brief outline of what's going to be happening in the future, what we're going to be focusing on next week's show is how to craft a proper speech and proper techniques for writing a speech, whether or not you should have one completely written down verbatim, whether or not you should have bullet point arguments written down, or if you should go with some other secret technique that will be disclosed in the next episode. After that, we will be going with the actual debate. We're going to be having two debaters come in and present the side government, which is affirming the resolution, and side opposition, which is against the resolution. Now, after that debate, we're going to be spending a whole other episode with those same debaters talking about things that they did well, techniques that they employed, and that they cognitively used throughout their debating experience, and then disclose how you can use similar techniques when approaching your own debate competition. This four-episode series is designed to make sure that even debaters who are not uh, given as many opportunities to come out into the debating sector and compete can, when they have that rare opportunity to do so, compete well. Because the worst thing is competing and knowing that you could have done better, but not having the experience and the knowledge necessary because you live in a rural area or because your school doesn't have a big debate team. So that's what, that's the gap that we're trying to bridge on today's show. And that's what we will be doing through the next four episodes. So we hope that you enjoyed the first episode of the new decade which will be discussing the topic of American exceptionalism. Now, to many of you who came here hoping for a debate, we hope that you're not discouraged and that you sit through this whole process. Even if you're a seasoned debater, 
getting more knowledge on how to approach this process of deconstructing a resolution, approaching it from different angles, and ultimately gaining more knowledge and constructing a proper speech can always be refreshing. And we would implore you to listen through this whole episode because it contains new knowledge that you can use on a day-to-day basis in your own debating competitions. American exceptionalism is not limited to the scope of this podcast. It extends way beyond that. And that realization is what we're trying to give all of you. So when we look at the different aspects of American exceptionalism today, we would encourage you to take some kind of notes, either on your phone, either on pencil or paper, and learn more about this topic that has essentially shaped America. Because ultimately, America has stood apart from history. And this topic of exceptionalism in America is America's self-image explored. From speeches to stamps, we have our own identity. And that's what we're trying to explore in today's podcast. So without further ado, let's get started. To begin our discussion today about American exceptionalism, let's first take a look at a quote by Carl Guarneri in the book American in the World, published in 2007. This quote from, was extracted from page number 12. Whether we begin with American history and look outward to the rest of the world or start with world history and the place of the United States in it, a central problem facing us concerns the distinctiveness of American society. The issue of exceptionalism looms over most attempts to place U.S. history in a wider context. Now, what Mr. Guarneri ties to tell us is that this topic of American exceptionalism is placing United States in context with the entire world. That's the wider context that he's referring to. Because we have to look at history not solely from an America lens, but from a world lens. And that's what we're trying to do in every single debate competition. We're trying to zoom out and then slowly zoom back in. So giving people the broader picture and then funneling deep in can give you the pointed argument that you need to successfully convey your message and even win the round. So with that being said, first let's actually learn about American exceptionalism. So what is American exceptionalism? I've been using it time and time again. So formulate your own ideas on American exceptionalism. And that's what we would encourage every single debate team to actually do. Before you go ahead and start researching, because this is an arduous process of research, to learn more about American exceptionalism, to get examples, to see how those examples support your argument, to get quotes, to get proper citations for those quotes and everything. That's an arduous process. Before that, what you can do to make your life easier And to give yourself greater understanding is to actually deconstruct American exceptionalism. So let's ignore the word American because we're sure the pro-con team that everyone knows who an American is. But let's focus on the word exceptionalism. Now, you can split this word and I would split this word as exceptional and ism. I'm going to throw ism to the side 
because I do not know what ism actually means or what that adds to a word. So let's just look at exceptional. Exceptional, in my mind, paints this picture of brilliance, of superiority, of being exceptional at something. And you can also split the word American exceptionalism to exception and elism. And you can take out the elism part because if you don't know what it means, it doesn't add much value to your understanding. Exception, something different, unique. So what I just did is something that you should actively be doing when you're given a new debate topic and you're sitting down as a team to discuss what the topic is about. Now, a quick tip here for role schools debate teams. You all have to construct your arguments together to make sure that everything flows properly. So that's why we would suggest every single role schools debate team to sit together and go through this process of understanding the topic together because then ideas about how to remember certain topics, how to remember certain facts can be thrown around and you can quiz each other, learn from each other and teach each other. And that's what the debate experience is all about. So now that I've broken it down, let's see how accurate my claim is. So American exceptionalism is a belief that America has had a unique historical experience set apart from history. It's a belief that American values are superior to all other values and that America has a unique role to play in the world. So I just outlined three different parts of the whole American exceptionalism narrative. First is that we are unique from a historical experience perspective, that we have experienced stuff that most countries have not. A belief that our values are superior to that of other countries. A belief that America has a unique role to play in the entire world. Now we're looking at the bigger picture. Now the belief in their own uniqueness, superiority, is especially deep-rooted among Americans. And that's what American exceptionalism focuses about. Now, to read out a few quotes by Barack Obama, I believe in American exceptionalism just as the Brits believe in British exceptionalism and the Greeks in Greek exceptionalism. Now, what that quote directly shows is that each society has this mindset of thinking that they themselves are different, that they're unique in every single way possible. We can obviously be proud of our country and their role in history and in the world, and we can understand that our country has had unique experiences. But we also need to keep in mind that many other countries may have the same. So going into the debate, you're obviously forming perspectives, ideas, you're thinking critically about what you're seeing in front of you. And what I just did about talking about how a perspective might not necessarily be the same across all countries, but can be same for one or two countries, I'm already providing myself with some ideas on what to say for a certain side. Now, is that good? No, not at all. What I just did should never be done. When you look at sources with, with the intention to learn, you never judge what they tell you. The analysis comes after you have understood something. So let's understand why 
I say that. Let's take a history class, for example. You understand history, then you write your essay, then you complete multiple choice questions. That's when you analyze it. So first, let's take a look at everything with a basic and a non-biased point of view. Now, where did exceptionalism originate? So it partly originated from the Europeans as Columbus's voyages to see the new world was seen as a blank slate, that America is this whole new picture that was painted upon by Columbus, who thought of America as this whole blank slate where he could paint his own picture. So that's the first idea of American exceptionalism steeped in very, very early history. But after that, we have John Winthrop, who admonishes his New England colonists that they shall be a city upon a hill and that the eyes of the people are upon us. That is a major turning point in American history and is a major example of how American exceptionalism is steeped in our early history. Now, Winthrop was a Puritan lawyer and one of the leading founders, uh, founding figures in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Following the Plymouth Colony, Winthrop led the first large wave of immigrants from England in the 1630s and served as the governor for the first 20 years. So this man led many immigrants who were persecuted for their religious beliefs who wanted to flee in time of civil crisis and discord in England to the United States. And he thought this was a new haven for people for people to survive and people to become the people that they wanted to be. And that's where American exceptionalism, that we are a country with new opportunities, new everything, something that many countries didn't have at that time, is that's the idea and the values that it provided and that um, Winthrop brought with him and taught to his colonists. Alexis de Tocqueville uh, spoke about democracy in America and uniquely characterized a society. He spoke about America as a unique society in 1835, characterized by liberty, egalitarianism, individualism, populism, and laissez-faire. So these five ideas is what we should keep in mind uh, when looking at our speeches, when constructing them, so let's keep in mind the characteristics of liberty, egalitarianism, individualism, populism, and laissez-faire. Now, um, the Winthrop speech of model of Christian charity, City Upon a Hill speech, is uh, there online. And it's a great speech to look upon and to really understand the deep dwellings of American exceptionalism inside of our very, very early history. He, he speaks about God and the connection of Christianity with American exceptionalism. Of course, the difference between the church and the separation of church and state is still there, but to read with a purely American exceptionalism point of view will be very important because John Winthrop is a major figure in this topic. Now, what is exceptional about America's past? Uh, absence of a feudal past. So there were no class divisions in terms of masters, servants, and peasants. Of course, we can disagree with that and say that, you know, 
um, few, uh, there might not have been a feudal system, but there's some other system. But keep in mind, you're just learning what you need to learn. Available lands and resources. Cheap land breaks down the class system. Easier to attain middle class status. Revolution breeds new egalitarian ideas, and we did have a major revolution. We had a diverse population, an absence of the state church. America was also invented as a nation. It was an invented nation that was founded on many beliefs that were very new to the time period. So I would like to read this quote once again. Quotes are one of your major bets in understanding a topic deeply because these are historians talking about history that they have studied really, really in depth. So American Exceptionalism, a double-edged sword, published in 1996 by Seton Seymour Martin Lipset. And one of the major quotes that I got after reading that book a little was, Born out of revolution, the United States is a country organized around an ideology, which includes a set of dogmas about the nature of a good society. Americanism, as different people have pointed out, and is an ism or ideology in the same way that communism or fascism or liberalism are ism. So he doesn't say American exceptionalism in specific, but Americanism is essentially synonymous to that idea. Now, why is American exceptionalism important historically? Um, American exceptionalism has affected uh, how Americans interact with the world. Isolationism or global leadership, that's the two perspectives that you should be looking at. Affected how people viewed other people and cultures, Native Americans, Irish, Catholics. Affected the conduct of foreign policy, Vietnam. The quote, the major quote was, we had to destroy the village to save it. Think about how that plays into American exceptionalism. So now that we have some basic understanding, Let's look at sources that are not completely biased towards one side or the other, but actually provide two points of views that says that recognizes that two sides exist. So Margaret McMillan of University of Toronto says that American exceptionalism has always had two sides, the one eager to set the world to rights, the other ready to turn its back with contempt if its measure, a message should be ignored. Faith in their own exceptionalism has sometimes led to a certain obtuseness on the part of Americans, a tendency to preach at other nations rather than listen to them, a tendency as well to assume that American motives are pure where those of others are not. Now, this would be a major quote that you need to dissect as a group, and I'm going to help see how we should dissect it and let's do that together. Let's dissect this quote together, and then I'll give you a few more that you should be able to understand and dissect with your group. They're not necessarily quotes. They're posters, monuments, and um, different ideas that you should be able to deconstruct and analyze. So let's deconstruct this quote as we're sitting and we're preparing for a world schools debate competition. We will, we will be preparing both side government and side opposition. But we're right now looking at it from a neutral perspective, but we do recognize that two sides exist. And we're trying to learn more about each of those individual sides without forming an opinion yet. We're not forming an opinion yet. That's one of the major mistakes you can make in debate. 
American exceptionalism has always had two sides. Okay, there's not much to learn from that. We already know it has two sides. The one eager to set the world to rights. So let's look at the wording. It sounds as if you're setting something on fire. So eager to set the world to rights. So you're trying to do something impulsively. You're trying to do something to make sure that what you want happens. So we're eager for people to have equal rights. The other ready to turn its back with contempt if the measure message should be ignored. So if we try and do that and we fail, we turn our back in contempt. We're not very happy when we're ignored. We're not very happy when our ideas are not appreciated. That's the second end. Faith in their own exceptionalism has sometimes led to a certain obtuseness on the part of Americans. So a certain sense of I am superior than that, that type of ideas. Preach at other nations rather than listen to them. So saying, we will do this, we should do that, and not listening to the problems themselves. But we do still recognize that uh, American motives are pure where those of others are not. What are we recognizing? We're not recognizing anything good. We're saying that our motives are better than others. Now, Margaret Macmillan obviously has solely quoted one small example of one side and gone into detail about the other, but still we're looking at this by saying, okay, the other side is basically saying we are superior than you and that's why we have a right to be obtuse in Margaret Macmillan's own words. But the other side, the positive side says, we wanna give people equal opportunity, equal rights. We wanna set the world to rights. So we sound like the torchbearer of democracy. That's the two ideas that you should mainly get out of this quote. And that's how you should sit and break it down. So um, some of the main speeches that you should be looking at when you do research is um, through their eyes, how exceptionalism has affected Americans view of themselves in the world and interactions with others change over time. How has American exceptionalism changed in nature over time? So um, when you're doing your whole um, research process, after you learn more about the topic, what we would recommend you sit and do is set defining questions. So we saw American exceptionalism in pre-Columbian era. So uh, compare them, uh, the new world versus the old world. We saw it in the revolution when we became a young nation. And we saw it in the 21st century, 20th century, in that time period as well. So first, let's look at how did the Americans uh, view themselves in comparison to the old world. So we can't talk too much about pre-Columbian, but we can talk about how Americans viewed themselves in the new world when they came to America. So this is post-Columbian, but not yet at the revolution. So let's analyze that. That should be the first thing that you do research about. The next, you should be looking on America's view of itself during the era of Manifest Destiny. Now, to many of those who haven't taken advanced level of history classes, Manifest Destiny was the period of time where we expanded westwards in an attempt to increase our boundaries and become a larger nation. And analyzing America's superior culture during this time, their vision and their belief of a superior culture 
gives us greater insight into American exceptionalism. We're providing you with a guiding question and you should do more research to expand on these questions and have sub questions on that. And obviously, we are sure that you will make these questions on your own if you did some research, but we want to provide you with the platform necessary. And that's what you should do as a group. When I say we, the collective pronoun, I'm talking about you as a group, you, me and the four other people competing with me. So we as a group are creating these questions for ourselves. And next, let's look at America's global leadership in the 20th and 21st centuries and how exceptionalism influences other nations. So that's the ideas of American exceptionalism, the guiding questions that you should be using to look at it um, from a debate perspective. And now just some ideas that you can use when talking and thinking about American exceptionalism. Take a look at stamps, money, war posters, monuments, and see how they tie in to the concept of American exceptionalism. I know that was a rather long episode and that most of you probably tuned out every one or two seconds, but that is completely fine. Listen to this. The ProCon team cannot stress how important it is to listen and understand the topics that we've discussed here. We spoke about looking at things from an unbiased perspective and then looking at the two sides once again with a straight mind. You don't think anything else but what does this say? What does this mean? You don't say, how can I use it in my debate? And we also stress the importance of asking questions and using those questions to guide your research. Create questions as a group and use that to guide your research. And we've given you certain tips, uh, tips, tricks to help you guide your research. We spoke about stamps, money, war posters, and monuments that you could help guide your research. And we really hope that you use them because that will inform your arguments so much greater. These things that are commonplace is what's going to make your argument even more powerful than that of your opponents. If they're able to turn out 20, 30 facts that are complicated and you're able to turn out five or 10 of things that we see on a day-to-day -day basis, like a dollar note that the, one of the judges may have in their pocket, a stamp that they might have used to mail out a letter last week, a poster that they may have in their classroom, a monument that they have may have visited recently. If you're able to connect those, that's going to be invaluable and that's what makes a powerful debate. And that's what separates good from great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of ProCon. We really hope that you enjoyed it and it was an enjoyable episode for me to make. Next week, we might have a speech and debate expert join us on this show to talk more about speech writing and that speech and debate expert is going to be left at a mystery along with our mystery tip that's coming next week. Thank you so much. Keep debating and keep listening.